Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Normally, in the soft opening of the show, I talk about all the topics we'll discuss on this episode of Dying Alive. However, there are so many topics that if I did that during the soft opening, we'd have no show, and the whole thing would be the soft opening. Suffice to say, it's October 11th, 2020. This is Dying Alive. Jesse Marshall, The Athletic Pittsburgh, Dying Alive podcast, uh, joined uh, by one friend today, Pat Damp of uh, www.http colon slash slash www.pensblog.com. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Jesse. It's nice to be back. I miss doing this. I'm hoping we can, you know, keep giving the fans what they want. And uh, shout out to our boy, Mike. Couldn't make it this weekend. Whether it be... Just bringing you the hard-hitting news of the world or taking beautiful pictures of things. Mike's got better stuff to do than talk to us. It's true. Shout out to and that who guy, blames He's him. always working. Yeah, who's going to blame him? Um, look, here's the deal. Uh, we get a lot to go over. We're not going to get to all of it. We're going to have to do another episode. It's going to have to be, it's gonna have to be a multi-layered approach to the news. Uh, we're going to start with the big stuff, and we'll work our way down and see where it takes us. So I'm going to come right out of the gate, and we get, I want to get to this Jack Johnson thing first uh, just to get it out of the way because I don't ever want to come back to it. This is the final time that uh, it'll, get, it'll get mentioned on the show. Uh, Jack Johnson bought out by the Penguins, signed by the New York Rangers, not even for league minimum – I was – the funny thing about this was that as it was happening, I was watching uh, the Rangers fans go through what the Penguins fans went through when the dust kicked up, you know, because like Jason Mackey um, uh, was basically the guy that like you know, really started to scoop the Jack Johnson thing, you know, and everybody – you could start to see like everybody go through like their own reaction to it. And then like I felt like I was watching myself outside of my body – like, you know what I mean? Like from the corner of the room while they're like watching the Rangers fans do the same thing. Um, point is, though, uh, Pat, here's where we're at. Uh, Mike Matheson is now in Jack Johnson's spot. Mike Matheson is a better defenseman than Jack Johnson, full stop. Uh, however, incrementally, Pat, the Penguins improved. Yeah. And the thing I will say about the Johnson stuff when it comes to Rangers fans, I get it. And I understand your frustration because it should be frustrating because it's a needless signing that they didn't really have to do. But at the same time, it's one year, a little over a million. 
And I mean, that's really, that's the reclamation contract, which is what it should have been here. It should have been a, hey, we're going to give you like $2 million for a year. And if you can bounce back, we'll bring you back. If not, happy trails. Right. Not to mention as well with the Rangers, they're still in a rebuild. Like, yeah, Panarin's great. They, they now have uh, uh, Alexis Lafreniere. And th- th- they're they're moving along a little bit quicker than expected on their rebuild. But sure, but you, you should have just kept Mark Stahl. Yeah, exactly. That's eventually what I was going to get to is they got they might as well just kept Stahl. But, you know, they're not going for a Stanley Cup right now, at least not yet. And, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dumb signing, and he's probably, you know, if we, we may not be able to say it empirically, but at least in a uh, subjective way, he's probably the worst defenseman in the National Hockey League. But Yeah, like probably like bottom five for sure. But the, but the thing there is, like, guys, like... Objectively, by the way. Yeah. Like, the thing is, like, right now, you don't have to worry too much about that because your team's on a really good path uh, with the way they're doing this rebuild. They're sure. right there. And so, I mean, it's it, it's a it's it's a puzzling signing, but it's not going to derail their plans completely. And as not for unless the, they bring them back. Yeah. And as for the Penguins, the difference to me uh, with Matheson, and you wrote about it a little bit with your video breakdown on The Athletic and... You know, from watching some film of him myself, the ceiling is a lot higher, you know, however small the house may be for a bottom pairing defenseman for Matheson than it ever was for Johnson. There's things in his game that you see that would work in a Mike Sullivan Penguins system and help him to become a more productive defenseman in that role than Jack Johnson ever could have been. The contract is terrible, but at some point you have to put that out of your mind because I know that <clears throat> your coworker over there at the Athletic, our pal Sean Gentili, has said it plenty of times. Regardless of your opinion on what 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 Rutherford has done over the past couple of off seasons and seasons, contract length and time and all that stuff right now doesn't it doesn't matter. You are in a one to two year window. I right I, now. I I do. I'm gonna step in here, right? Um. Because I, I, I see the point, but I don't agree with it. And the reason I don't agree with it is because life continues post-window. And if you don't, like, it, not you, ubiquitous you, right, obviously. Uh, if people don't care about that, that's fine. But contracts like that, Pat, that they prevent you, in my opinion, from transitioning quickly like the Rangers did. Right, like the Rangers were able to make that quick pivot, and 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 the the sort of like uh, agonizing period of time for them was so much smaller because they didn't they weren't well. I mean, they had don't get me wrong, they had bad contracts, but they weren't overburdened by them. And, and like Brand, and I like Brandon Tanev. Uh, I might like Mike Matheson, but eventually I'm not going to on that con on those contracts a year maybe four and beyond, and then now moving that may become a headache for whoever's you know, in charge, whether it's Jim Rutherford or somebody else. I just think too much of it, and I don't know that they're there yet, right? That's an important thing to mention. But that that Matheson contract, we have to make mention, is universally regarded as the worst contract in hockey. One of. Oh, it's it's like, it's it's objectively awful. Like to kind right. of to kind of build to what you were saying there too, what I'm kind of getting at is like the other thing to remember is eventually by the time we get near the end of Matheson's contract, chances are we're out of we're out of this era of Penguins hockey. 
and he'll have one, two years left. And at that point, that's not that difficult to move or you can eat some of it and move it because you're starting your rebuild because you have to get to the cap floor and you become like Ottawa. And I, and I really think like that's terrifying thing to think about different, the difference (laughs) to me for me with the Rangers and the Penguins is the Rangers big name was in net. And that's not, I don't want to say it's hard to move because the buyout options there, as we saw with Lundquist, but it's not going to be a quick rebuild. It never was going to because the Penguins were operating in a win right now mentality. It wasn't a win. For the better part of a decade. Yeah. So at this point, we can hem and haw about this stuff. But when this era is over, guys, it's going to be painful. I agree with that, Pat. I just think there are varying levels to that pain. You know, like – that by levels i mean length really is what i mean how long is it painful and how long does that last but to your point too we have to separate the contract from the player here to have this discussion and and again like objectively speaking the penguins are they have a better defenseman in that spot now period point blank i think the downswing to matheson pat really was just in and and florida people back this sentiment up i I don't have a personal opinion on it. I don't think one way or another. Um, I do think that people in Florida feel strongly about it. Is after the Elias Pettersson hit and the suspension that came with that, which, by the way, is out of the ordinary for Mike Matheson. Right? Does not play hockey like that. It was an un- you know it was a bad incident, an unfortunate one, but not like one that's a re- recurring issue. His game like shelled up a bit. You know, and like the bit of aggression or I guess maybe press that he had, he lost maybe in a, you get alligator arms sort of, right? Like you don't want to hit anyone like that again, even if it's by accident. Uh, So maybe the change of scenery is good there, but it looked like Florida really gave him the liberty, Pat, to just take the puck and go to town with it. And that's a liberty he's probably not going to have in Pittsburgh. I mean, Chris Letang doesn't even have that liberty right now. Uh, and sh- and this is something that's been discussed a lot by uh, at Jfresh Hockey, Jfresh on Twitter, who's been a great follow through free agency in the draft and everything. Uh, he talked even a lot about this. You know, a lot of the micro data around Mike Matheson exists only because of the style of hockey that Florida played, right? And I understand that, but even his underlying metrics, you adjust for for his environment and his teammates and his opponents and his deployment. He's just better, Pat. Just a better player. He doesn't handle the puck like a grenade. Uh, he keeps a good gap. He's mobile. Um, I, I think that there's a sense sometimes of inaction on his part in the defensive zone where he has abilities to, to maybe get involved. And, and, and this, this lends itself to the I'm, – I'm basing this all on what I saw from him in the, you know, the end of the regular season and in the playoffs. But you know, if that's the Florida fans sort of uh, theory, I think you can see that on tape. All this is to say – from what I just described, it sounds like an upgrade, doesn't it? I mean, it, you know, it, really, it really does. <clears throat> and the one thing I noticed in watching some of the footage on him, he seems like he has, and I know this isn't a hard, you know, uh, a difficult bar to clear, but it feels like and looks like Matheson has more foot speed. And that has been severe. Oh, yeah. That has, oh, been, yeah. That has been severely lacking the last couple of years from the blue line. Because you think about the years that they won in 16 and 17, 
not only were their forwards fast, their defense was fast. It was they were operating at such a high level of speed that it could mask some deficiencies because they were just overwhelming teams with their speed. So you bring that back in a little bit in whatever way with Matheson, and it can get you back on track to play that kind of hockey. Now, we don't know if that's going to work out just because there are a lot of guys who can operate at a top speed, but their hands can't. Well, you know, Pat, you make make a good mention about this foot speed issue, right? Because, you know, another thing I think you see on tape with Matheson is, is that he keeps a really strong gap which is the distance between himself and the, the forward in front of him car- trying to carry the puck into the zone. Now, sometimes there's an overzealousness with that. But I would rather, Pat, have a defenseman that's super aggressive that you kind of have to put the reins on a little bit over a defenseman that can't keep a good gap to compensate for his lack of foot speed. Which we, have seen, the, we have seen a lot of that over the past couple of years. Right. And not, just, did, not just from Johnson, just in general. Sure. Now, this is more of a I – got, I got this tweet for our correspondences, but I'm going to read it now. It's from uh, LGP Netwolf. Uh, Eric Majeski says, what's worse, people who were still defending Jack Johnson uh, and or uh, the signing uh, or people cra- sarcastically saying that all the Penguins' problems are gone now that he is? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. Uh, Pat, You know, I did think it was interesting that when a whole thing went down, a lot of people took offense to it. Um, there were a lot of people that seemed to be like insulted – personally that I, I don't know you know we talked about like the the archetype stuff that goes into it and you know the the the, the belief of that quote-unquote style of defenseman um but nobody ever stated that Je- the penguins lost to the islanders and to the um the canadians because of jack johnson nobody's ever and anybody had that has suggested that probably has a, just a slew of bad takes they're sitting on because that sounds like one <laughs> Um, you know, it's just, it became this sort of weird hill for people that was like, well, you think this is going to fix everything? No, but you, anytime you're looking to, you know, be the, if you're the penguins and your resources are limited, if you can marginally or incrementally improve your team in any number of important places, defense being one of them, cause there's only six defensemen, you do it and you take that win, you know, like that, that, that's to me what the, the big point is here is that it's not going to fix everything, right? But it helps. And I and I just feel like the argument at some point or something, Pat, along the way, became something that it never was. We began arguing against a point that none of us were making. It was... You know what it was? Have you, and I'm sure you have, because you and I are very similar, ever get in an argument in your own head while you're taking a shower with somebody that you're never going to cross paths with? Oh yeah, or like you're you're just taking you're, you're you know you're you're on the porcelain throne. You're stuck in traffic. Yeah, you know you're it, sitting it, in a. I, I'll do it, and when I'm in traffic, Pat, I'll go back and redo arguments that I had ten years ago. Exactly, like it's yeah. It, like, but I wish I would have had this. Like, Damn it! I, like, <laughs> like hypothetically in your mind, you're just envisioning somebody that's like, like hey, you know what? Not that they traded Jack Johnson. They got rid of all their problems. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what you think? You really think that? And it's like n- nobody. Nobody said that. You're, you're making this up in your head. Yeah. Hold on. I just got to open this Dr. Pepper, and it's going to be on mic. So I'm just gonna, here we go. I have to mention it. We're not sponsored by them, uh, but it was going to make a noise, and I'm parched. So I'm going to derail the show for <laughs> this. Go Donuts, ahead. It's iced coffee, not, also not a sponsor, but, you know, I enjoy them. 
Okay. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it, you're right, though. Like, people were... It became... The argument became a parody of itself. It was literally like, we all got so tired because we acknowledged how bad he was, and we had, everybody knew it, and there was no... You know, there was no more other side argument where people were like, well, you know, I think Jack Johnson might do... Literally nobody, save for Jim Rutherford, thought he was good. So, like, we were all just so pent up and ready to argue that we were making up arguments. Yeah. Now, we do have to mention here, Patrick, in the mid- in the midst of this, uh, there is another player that we have... Uh, there are several that we haven't discussed yet, but <laughs> one of them is, is uh, Patrick Hornquist. And uh, now, th- this... This deserves a, a good bit of discussion from us because I do think it was time. And it, it does pain me to say that because Patrick Hornquist is a, the guy, even in that Montreal series, was just an absolute nightmare in the crease. I mean, just a terror up to this day. And he'll be a terror for Florida. He'll continue to be a terror. Uh, I think the issue is his availability. And, the, you know, I... I think the question for Patrick Hornquist when he signed that deal, we all said, what's his fall off going to look like? And it wasn't in necessarily in performance, Pat. It was in availability, I think, is what really became an issue was the injuries. And I don't think that's something, given his style of play, that'll ever get better with time. I go back and forth on this, and I promise this isn't a cop out. Like, I'm not trying to not take a side on this. My initial reaction when they traded him was that it was a year too late. Um, that, they, that they should have done it before this. Yeah, just interesting. Because it, the, is this a value based discussion for you? No, it's it's not a value based discussion because like th- this is going to be very convoluted. So because like I said, I have I'm so conflicted by this. Uh, now I'm gonna now see you got You're gonna have to do a good job here, Pat. Because I'm got well, a half a mind to put you on the. I'm going to put you as a fence sitter. So well, your pitch, you got to have a good pitcher. You you absolutely can because I am a fence sitter on this. Because like, like I said, I go back and forth on it because, like you know, I think prior to this season, even you know pre COVID, he was pretty good. Like when he was around, when he was in the lineup, he was good. the The year prior to that, though, he was inconsistent, kind of invisible in and out of the lineup, and it was like, okay, so this is the fall-off. And then he kind of got it back this year, despite being in and out of the lineup again. And, you know, it it kind of felt like that. Now you're like, oh, we're giving up on him now? Like, because he was pretty okay this year. And, I mean, I, I think that there are guys coming up and guys already here that can fill in on that role, just not as well. And I don't like I go back and forth on it, too, because I think it's also an emotional thing for me, because if you remember, this was the first move that Rutherford ever made as the Penguins GM. He traded James Neal to Nashville for Mm -hmm. Patrick Hornquist and Patrick Hornquist, like everybody up and down. I think this might legitimately be the one and only time Penguins Twitter has been in full on agreement. He was everything that team needed. Because you watch the way they bowed out of the playoffs in those years prior. When they wouldn't win, they played the most passive, unaggressive, uninspired hockey. Like when they got swept by Boston in 2013, if you go back and watch that series, 
I don't think they ever went to the middle of the ice in the mm. offensive zone. They were on the perimeter the entire series. And then Patrick Hornquist comes in and goes, wait a minute, I own the fucking crease. Get out of my way. And all of a sudden, this team was aggressive and up-tempo and fun to watch again. And so, like, th- there's also that emotional part of it for me where I'm like, man, this guy turned everything around and was everything this team missed. What I will say that I think it was a good move is they got a good enough return for him considering the contract. Because eventually that contract was going to be really, really hard to move. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think I do come down on your side, though, Jesse, that as much as it pains me to say, it's it, it was time to, you know, tip your cap, pat him on the shoulder and say, hey, we appreciate it. Thanks to the two Stanley Cups, but we got to move on. You kind of hope, or I guess I do, that Mike Vellucci potentially holds the key to getting that that lane to the middle. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Pat? Because he's going to be running that forward group. So I mean, from, think- from what I can gather, you know, the, the Penguins, like most organizations, are very uniform in their philosophy, right? Right. Like if you go down and watch, a, if you, you know, head east and watch a Wilkes-Bear game, they're going to be playing the same, if not a very similar system. Head south to Wheeling to watch the Nailers, same thing. They're going to be playing a similar system because they want to make sure these guys are all on the same page because inevitably somebody in Pittsburgh is going to get hurt. Yeah. Which means somebody from Wilkes-Barre has got to go up to Pittsburgh. And then when somebody from Wilkes-Barre goes up to Pittsburgh, somebody from Wheeling has to go up to Wilkes-Barre. So these guys have to be able to seamlessly fit in. I also think, and this is not really related to the system, deserved or not, Volucci getting promoted tells us that Sullivan's seat is a little bit hotter than any of us thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the sense that, like, he's your your internal sort of a replacement, you think? Well, yeah, and, and I mean, like, I don't think the guy is a bad option to have as an assistant coach. You know, from all from all reporting, he's a really good coach, and the guys in Wilkes really liked playing for him, and he knows what he's doing. So, you know, that's not a guy that you just say, oh, okay, like, you know, we need, we need a warm body to come up and coach the forward group, so, you know, we'll just call up Volucci. Like, this is a guy that they're potentially interested in leading their their big club at some point. So putting him on the bench with with Sullivan is, I think, a little bit of a shot across the bow for Sullivan. Like, hey, we're watching you, man. I mean, I don't think that's deserved, but that, that's the message I think it sends. Well, two first-round exits will get you there, you know. Um, now, whether or not he has the tools, to, I mean, we could have that already. That's a whole other thing. I want to get to Matt Murray. uh we got to spend some time here uh, on this trade. Um, first of all, he's good for him on his contract. So Matt Murray traded to Ottawa. Uh, Penguins get back pick number 52 uh, in the draft, which he actually used to draft a goaltender in Joel Blomquist. Uh, and uh, Jonathan Gruden, uh, who played in London last year, scored 66 points in 60 games, I believe, uh, for the Knights, uh, and will be going to the American Hockey League. Um, I guess how do we sum up? I mean, first of all, it's it, it's difficult to really wrap words around the Murray thing. Um, drafted by the Penguins, toiled through the minors, comes up in an unexpected situation and just casually wins two Stanley Cups. Uh, I think the you know 
the misnomers about Murray are such that people believe that he wasn't very good during those runs. Uh, there were only like two goalies that had a you know really analytically better performance during him during those uh, than him during those stretches, um, but didn't quite uh, continue on that that path. How will you look back at the Matt Murray era in goal? I'm going to look back on it fondly. I, I you know not just because of the two Stanley Cups, like you know that guy. I want to say, of all people, it was was Filipponi who said it on Twitter. And we all know what his takes are like. But he said, Matt Murray is not a consistent goalie. Matt Murray is a clutch goalie. And he's right. And for better or for worse, that's who he is. He's not the guy that's going to win you 35, 40 games a year. But you put him in that pressure situation, he's going to show up. You know, because I, I think about the way he was talked about when they went into Nashville in game six to win the cup. And he came off the bus and everybody was like, yeah, they're not losing. Like, Murray just had that look of like, mm-hmm, yeah, like this series is over. We're done. Get out of our way. And I, I'm also just, I, I do think, and I, I do think that when I say this, it kind of undercuts my annoyance by people who are still like having the flurry Murray debate. But I think a, a lot of the issue with him was post 2017, the defensive core around him was not that great. And eventually you have to account for that. Now, you know, like Don Cherry always used to say, it'd be nice to get a fucking save every once in a while. And there were times with him where you would be like, oh man, he's got to have that one. But at the same time, the team around him was not nearly as good as it was in 16 and 17. It wasn't, uh, I think his play plateaued probably to a certain point. Uh, that's, always- that's a really good way to put it. Like he eventually, I think reached a, a, a peak and that was it. Like there, it, he wasn't going to go yeah. much higher. Yeah. Um, I also think that, you know, uh, injuries played a part in it, probably a little bit. The defense changing, I don't think, helped. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there were definitely points where you saw one go in. And then even against Montreal, I think you could say. Um, I don't think that he was the reason they lost that series, but there were some goals that went in in that series that were particularly difficult to watch. And other times where he was, you know, they looked unbeatable. So... Uh, no, he, he definitely was not the reason. Um, I do tend to agree that I think Jari would have been the better decision just because of the style that Montreal plays. And you could have had Jari able to play the puck a little bit better to help supercharge your breakout, which wasn't Murray's strength. And that's not a that's not a uh, indictment of Murray. It's just that's not the way he plays. And eventually you have to play the game you're in. And with the way Montreal plays, you need that goalie that can get it, come out, stop a puck, and make a pass, and basically be a third defenseman for you. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Tristan Jari will inherit the throne uh, and take over as the number one goaltender uh, for the Penguins. Um, he has signed a three-year, three-point-five million-dollar contract. I oh, um, before that, one thing I will say because we we've been hypercritical of him as well as well as everybody. And it needs to be said, 
this is a good move by Jim Rutherford on trading Murray and what he got in return. Because it's really with the way how with the way is as, as diluted as the goalie market was this offseason, with guys being free agents, guys getting bought out, a lot of huge names on that market. And then you have it the fact that they got it to Ottawa, considering that that's a team that is in the midst of a big rebuild, has a lot of cap room despite an internal cap on what they can spend, to actually get a solid prospect and a draft pick for an, a restricted free agent that only had a qualifying offer sent their way, that's a good trade. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I questioned what kind of pick they would get. You know, you knew that they were targeting to get one. I think the initial reports that they had coming out said that they wanted to get back a first rounder, which I, 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 I tried to go back and see goaltenders that have been traded for a first round pick. Uh, and there, I found one, I think like in the last eight years, um, that was just not, it's just not common. That's really it. Um, yeah. And, and this isn't, this isn't to say, Oh, you know, wheeling dealing Jimmy's back. He's got his groove again. No, like right. he made a good trade and like, like, and I think just because everybody's piling on right now, they kind of looked at this one and were like, Oh, there's another one. And it's like, no, that, that one was, that was solid. That's okay. Yeah. Um, for Jari, you know, I, I, I will I will just pop it and mention I was hypercritical uh, this week of them, you know, potentially trying to obtain Marc-Andre Fleury, um, even on a, a hype, you know, an insane discount that it would have come with and the money laundering that would have gone on a la Derek Broussard uh, to make it happen. Uh, you know, one, I guess one of the things that that you mentioned it is what made me think about this is I, I don't think that would be a good partnership for Tristan Jari. Um, not that Flurry wouldn't be a good mentor or wouldn't be willing to do it. Uh, just the, the pressure that that would create vis-a-vis people in the city that are, shall we refer to them as Flurry loyalists? Um, you know, you, you got to let a kid play through a rough spot. Right. So if Tristan Jari has a bad stretch of three games, the response isn't to clamor for the old the old favorite to go back in, regardless of how poor they themselves might be performing. You know, I just I don't view it as for me anyway, a fruitful situation. Um, I, I I'd like to see this kid get the get the keys to the car and uh, full ownership over it. Yeah, he certainly earned it last year with the way he played when he had his opportunities. And what you said is the one reason why I'm not for a reuniting with Marc-Andre Fleury uh, because of just that, like the the undue pressure it would put on Tristan Jari. Because the, the, the other side of it, though, that I see with a potential reu- reunion with, with Flower is – you figure the season slated to start in 2021, right? Like the, and they want to play a full season or at the very least as close to a full season as they can to get back on a normal timeline, moving into the 21, 22 season. So you've got to figure that means there are going to be a ton of back-to-backs. There's going to be a ton of condensed game schedules and travel. And, you know, full disclosure, I know Casey DeSmith. I'm friends with him. I talk to him every now and then. And 
as capable of a backup as he is, I think this is a moment where they're going to have to try to find some goalie help because you're going to need a 1A and a 1B this this upcoming season once we get to January because there will be so many back-to-backs. The schedule is going to be extremely condensed. And it's not even saying that I don't think Jari can handle it because I think he can, but wear and tear and fatigue is going to be a very, very, very big factor this season. So whether it's Marc-Andre Fleury or somebody else, I, I, no disrespect to Casey DeSmith, good backup, good guy that can play 20, 25 games a year, but we might need you to play closer to 40. Mm. That said, the whole reason that um, that uh, Vegas has brought in and now re-signed Robin Leonard and they're looking to move Flurry is because, well, Flurry lost his job again. Yeah. Um, so, moving on. Casperi uh, Kapanen, uh, who, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Penguins traded Evan Rodriguez, uh, their first-round pick, David Worsofsky and Philip Hollander, to acquire. Evan Rodriguez is back, Pat, getting the band back together for a two-year league min, uh, not league minimum, $750,000 a year deal. Um, no, wait, no, right, I'm wrong. I'm Rodri- wrong. Rodriguez no, is 700000 That's right. Lafferty's the one that got the extra fifty. Uh, how Holidays are we feeling? Holidaysburg zone. Oh, holidays. What do you know about Holidaysburg? Uh, it's Altoona adjacent. I don't know anything about Holidaysburg. That's the reason I asked. I was hoping maybe you could tell me something. Uh, it's it's that area. It's that Altoona area. I'm Altoona it's... ignorant, bro. I'm totally Altoona ignorant. Uh, just one place I do not ever go to or spend time in. Is it, Altoona. It, I'll say that I haven't been up there in a long time, but when I was still playing youth hockey around here, that was one of the worst places to go to play hockey. Because, was Altoona? Yes. Why is that? The, the worst officiating you have ever seen. Oh, wow. Like, Interesting. Like total homerism. Like, like I got like I had a kid get I had a teammate that got kicked out of a game. Because he, the ref thought he said something. Yeah. Like, like, I think he like turned around to talk to our coach and the ref was like, all right, you're out of here. And he was like, I'm talking to my fucking coach. And it, it, and I remember we like, they always, and they always were good. Like, it wasn't like they were this garbage team that was like, here's some of the, uh, here's some of these town names surrounding (laughs) holidays. Berg foot of 10. Foot uh, is all one word. Foot of ten, three words. We got Claysburg down here. Baker's Summit sounds pretty cool. Uh, let's <laughs> get here. We're on. Uh, I'm on Josh. 99, by the way, right now. Going down State Gamelands, number 198. <laughs> Josh Sanker, Banks. Sanker Josh Town. Banks is listening to this right now. Like, yes, this is my time. Is it? Is, is is that his area? He's an Altoona guy, yeah. I didn't know that. See that? Huh? I didn't know that either. Well, either way, there's your trip through Altoona for the day, folks. Don't <laughs> you can thank me later. Shouts out to our Blair County listeners. I'm gonna get up there one day. You tell me where <laughs> tell me where your best dive bars that have steak are at. Oh, I'll remember bars? Those were cool. 
Uh, so Evan Rodriguez is back and Mark Jankowski uh, is in, which I feel like is a signing they made to replace Zach Aston Reese, who will probably not be ready for the start of the regular season. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of their free agency moves um, were kind of fail safes. I said it on Twitter, like you know, it's it's one of those things where you signed a few guys to some cheap deals that can play in the bottom six, and you know you have some younger guys in the system that might be ready to come up and play, but if they're not ready, you have that fail safe in place where these guys who have played in the NHL can step in and at least not be a deterrent. You know, right. Evan Rodriguez can go up and down the lineup. Sam Lafferty's a good bottom six forward. Mark Janikowski's a good defensive fourth line center. Um, and then, you know, you obviously have the trade, which you started this little segment with. A lot of what they've done this offseason that, uh, that, that I can gather is a lot of it is low risk, higher reward. Like Mark Janikowski could be a good two-way forward. Evan Rodriguez is a good utility guy. It's replacing RIP Dom Simone. And Sam Lafferty is a good bottom six forward. They're all on cheaper deals. They're not long-term deals. And then Kasperi Kapanen, despite overpaying for him in the trade to Toronto because Toronto had been looking to move him, that was one of the worst-kept secrets in the National Hockey League that Dubas and the Leafs wanted to move Kasperi Kapanen. Because they didn't believe he was a top six forward. Right. And, uh, you know, no offense to Leafs fans because, like, you know, they're, they're... breakdown of the trade was like oh yeah you know jim rutherford overpaying for kasperi kapanen because they needed a top six winger well that's the whole reason they traded him guys i love me some austin matthews love me some mitch marner Sidney crosby and evgeny malkin they ain't and why do we think that that why do we think then that kapanen can keep up with crosby and malkin i i don't know that he could or couldn't but the point that's, I make, that's my whole argument though pat if he can't keep up with with Matthews, but and Marner I but I also and think I also keep, like I also that, think that, you're you're just putting him in a position with more advanced players. But I also think they, that Crosby and Malkin are better at making their line mates better than Marner and Matthews are. But now we're getting into a discussion of whether or not Kapanen is just anchoring Sidney Crosby. And if he does, like yes, I'm I'm with you guys on that. I just think there's that's I just think, my that's my whole. That, if you were to ask me. What do I think the number one hole is going into the season? I think it's top line right wing because I don't think that Kasperi Kapanen can play that role. I'll be happy to you give me a plate of crow, serve it up to me. I'll eat it whole, feathers and all. I want yeah, to cut and, the beak and, off. And, and, I'll be and, happiest guy in the world and, to be and wrong. The, and the thing I'm saying here is I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. Like I'm not saying. Oh, no, I, I'm not I, coming I, at you. I'm just fired up about it. No, 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 no. I know you aren't coming to me, but the the just so it's out there. Like I'm not guaranteeing. Like oh, Kasperi Kapanen's gonna slot right in and it's going to be a 40 goal year and 30 assist season for 70 points like no I just think I think there is more upside to Kapanen having to play with Crosby and or Malkin than there was with Marner or Matthews Uh, as good as those two are you know I think sort of coming down off of their prime Crosby and Malkin are still a little bit better yeah We'll see about that. I hope you're right. I, 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 mean, I, I, I hope I, if I'm wrong. I think, I, I think he's coming in and, you know, I think it's a much different situation, you know, for him uh, in that, you know, the, the, if, if this is not a good showing for him, for instance, right, 
that's not good for the for what comes next for him. And if you know, I think you know, I mean, a lot of people would say, well, worst case scenario, you get a really good third liner. Well, why did you pay that price then? Yeah, that's that's yeah, the biggest that's, issue. Yeah, and, and you know, the Penguins, I can tell you this, were not as high on Philip Hollander as I was. Well, I can I can see it considering that they well, packaged we can, him. Well, we can see that now, but I mean, I think they felt that way, you know, probably for a, a you know a good while. I don't know that I understand that, um, and we'll see what happens there. But you know, I, I just thought that 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 deal in particular was one that for me, Pat, I was like, uh, don't I don't know um, that one's sour. I just and again to your point, you're operating from a positional advantage. Toronto needs to make this move. You don't, right? Um, so the above and beyond part of it, you know, for me, yeah, that was crazy. Pontius Aberg is playing overseas. Uh, I don't know that he'll ever come to the National Hockey League and play for the Penguins in any impactful fashion. Uh, Jesper Lindgren will be good for Wilkes-Barre as like a number three or four there. But yeah, in the it, hierarchy of, of defensive depth, there are people and way a lot of people in front of him for him to make an NHL impact. Your injury situation would need to be, well, what we've come to expect, Pat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, death, taxes, and the Penguins' uh, medical room looking like a World War I infirmary. The curse continuing. Um, so the Penguins shirt up a bunch, but Yuso Rico is back on a two-year $1.15 million contract. I wonder if we'll actually see him. Um we know that he exists only in that he signed this contract. Uh, <laughs> I, I, to be completely honest with you, I'm stunned he did. Like I, he, and I don't think it, you know I don't think it's a, a, a mean spirited thing or a petty thing. But if I'm Ricola, I'm looking at the Penguins and going, "Why the fuck do I want to sign here? Yeah. Like I never play. Like, sure. and it's like you know it's good work if you can get it. If you're you know Yuso Ricola or Chad Ruedel, like. Those guys are professional hockey practicers. They're making six figures or six or seven figures to practice. They get to travel North America and practice hockey. Oh, that sounds terrible. Right? Like oh. it, it, it's it, it's all it's all the fun of being an NHL player with none of the downside of oh man I got hurt or oh man like I'm getting bought out like. You just it's like being a practice squad QB, right? Like you, that's kind of a cool deal. Alex know? Moran from Blue Mountain State before the third season. Backup QB is the best position in sports, baby. I'm just going to take that reference and act like I get it. <laughs> for two today. Earlier before the show, Pat gave me a Scrubs reference that I also whiffed on because I uh, don't watch Scrubs. So I got some work to do. I put on Twitter today, Pat. I got to watch Shit's Creek. I, people, I do too. Won our damn awards. People think uh, people whose opinions about funny things I respect have told me that it's funny. And not to mention, it's every GIF now. Every thing. I told people on Twitter I hadn't watched it and I was going to, and they responded with GIFs that I that, that was clear I wasn't going to get by the fact that I just told you people I don't watch the show. So uh. don't send me those. I don't know what they are. I don't know what these I don't know who these people are. Oh, before, I don't know. We, before we hear from the people, this is one like, non-hockey thing I got to say, man. Like, we are in such a golden age of TV that it's fucking overwhelming. Like, there's like, oh, I don't, you know what the pandemic has done, Pat, for me? I lost a shitload of weight, 
and a shitload of weight. I lost like 50 pounds because I don't drink sodas and shit anymore. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like if you go to an office, first of all, everybody's got a birthday. It's always somebody's birthday. Gentile has like six birthdays in a year. <laughs> Everybody I know has a birthday. You're always eating cake. Everybody, Everybody's every, got every, a cake. Everybody you know has a birthday, huh? <laughs> Mikey and Big Bob wrote that song, Cake in the Break Room. If you've never heard it, I implore you to Google it because it's a song about working in an office and having to eat so much cake. Um, so you got that. No, so no, no desserts. I'm eating way healthier. People to say like, "Oh, you're working out." No, I'm not. I'm just eating less shit. I'm just the not, other thing I'm is I'm watching sugar less sugar into my mouth three days a day, three times a day. I'm not watching any TV either. I'm watching almost no TV, no movies, sports. Yeah, I mean that's still TV, but I'm not watching like I'm not sitting down and like, oh, let's see what's on the tube. I don't know. I think it's like the two things out of my life that's changed. Yeah, like, but the thing I was going to say is like, there is so much shit to watch. Like every week it's like, I'm still catching up on the four things you told me I needed to watch last week. Yeah, and now there's you got eight this- more things to watch and then there's 10 more things to watch and it's, I can't keep up with it. I feel like an old you guy whole, saying it. You got the whole Shit's Creek franchise. The whole, I got to watch all that. I got to watch uh, uh, this Bly Manor show because I watched Hill House last year. And I love scary shit. So I got to watch that. I got to watch Ratchet. Because I still haven't watched that. I'm, I don't know, man. By the time I get caught up with this shit, it isn't even going to be Halloween anymore. And I'm not even going to watch this scary shit. <laughs> It'll be January and I'll be watching Halloween shows. Easter, I'll get caught up with Christmas. This is horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, like, there's so much shit to watch now. Like, I like. I don't even know why I subscribed to HBO Max after a while. It's like I, th- half the stuff that I'm supposed to watch is still on Netflix and Hulu. I can't even get over to HBO Max yet. First world problems. We got. Oh, yeah. uh, oh I fully, I fully acknowledge that. We got correspondences from the people that we want to get to. Drop them beats. First one. I like this question. This is from Mike Yinzer Schick. As currently assembled, do you expect the Penguins' bottom six expected goals for to be worse than last year's, as most people are saying? I'm not totally as convinced it's a late-stage Shero-esque as I've seen a lot of comparisons drawn. Uh, I think it's going to be low. Just because there's like the depth isn't as much as it once was, but I also think a lot of the guys they have brought in are quick, like they move quick, and in this NHL, having speed creates offense. So I think that might actually be a bit of a positive for their XG this season. Yeah. Uh, uh, Janine, uh, uh, a friend of the show, uh, at Queen J9, uh, uh, on the Twitter, in the midst of gestures at everything, what is one thing you guys do to de stress or keep moving forward? I'll tell you what, having a pet is great. Yeah, having a dog really helps, or a cat, as I know you're a cat. That's that's been great. Like, all my my cat, uh, is like amazed at how much I'm home now. 
it's like blowing his mind. He's like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. Here, here's, uh, the, here's the one thing I will say that has helped me a lot. I know this is going to come as a wild surprise to hear from someone like me who is extremely online. Put your phone on, offline. Yep. Put yeah. your phone. Put your phone on. Do not disturb. Doom scrolling. They call put it, it. Put it. Yep. Put it in another room. Uh, so whether, guilty that. Whether it's grabbing a book, picking a TV show or a movie, and just disappearing for like an hour or two a day, like just no internet, no social media. Don't need to read the news. Don't need to read the headlines. Just completely put yourself out and do something mindless for an hour or two, and it, it, it you come out feeling like a new person. Yep. Uh, this isn't a question. I just – maybe a challenge. I, I just like this tweet. It's from Deesh at Deesh138. I think it's important to note that beef-flavored ramen noodles are the best flavor. Thank you. I've never Deesh, had them. Well, here's the thing, though. In, in my experience, I've had three flavors of ramen noodles. Beef, chicken, and shrimp. In my humble opinion, beef is solidly number one. So I agree with Deesh. Shrimp's third. I don't know what is in that. I don't. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Chicken solidly second. Yeah, like every suburban college kid, I existed off of the chicken flavor when I was at IUP. Yeah, chicken's good, dude. It's solidly. I'm gonna really say like chicken's a one B. You could probably do chicken at one B. Oh yeah. Uh, Cass, our friend Cass from Pennsylvania, if the biggest free agent signing Rutherford made is Mark Jankowski, would you be okay with that? I think so, probably only because I don't know that they had the means to do anything else. Uh, I said today, like, Vinny Heinestroza went for a million, a one-year, $1 million deal, but I think that was, like, a circumstance that was, like, they got a discount maybe, and, you know, there's some things going on there. I, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, let's be honest, that's who they should have gone after just for the Pittsburgh accent. Yeah, down there to Van, Vinny Anastrosa. Hey, yeah, hey you, a, what do you think about Vinny Anastrosa down there on the pens? What do you think about Vinny Downer? Hey, Vinny Eno. <laughs> you got to say Eno Strosa. Yeah, I, I see Vinny down at Southside. I went down down, down Tino Sinceri's place down there. Uh, <laughs> uh, down in South, down Strip to Strip. Uh, um, all right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. This is a good one from Matt, uh, from hammer. Uh, he just mentions that he would like a 30 for 30 style documentary about Kevin Stevens. Um, that would be absolute. Like I, I would love that. Like I think, yeah, I think, th- I think you could do uh, at least after reading, um, Bork's book that Yohe helped out with. I think you could do like a, a smaller scaled back version of the last dance with the early late 80s early 90s penguins yeah and then like going into 93 and how they didn't win and like that ripped my guts out all over again. like and i mean like Artie would be a great storyline on that because oh, the guarantee in boston and a lot of people don't remember that and he said they'd never lose another game in that series and they didn't well and he and he put up in those four games he put up like 19 points or something oh it was disgusting yeah like, it was probably his best moment as a player like every, uh, everybody, you know, everybody falls all over themselves for Messier's. Oh, we're going to win game seven. Yeah, it's a coin flip. Nice one. Nice guarantee there. Pal. Yeah, yeah. We're going to win four in a row is way different. Yeah. In his hometown, <laughs> in his hometown of Boston, Kevin yeah. Steven comes out and goes, we're winning four straight. Uh, you know what? Let me get on a soapbox about this real quick. 
the other thing I'll say about Kevin Stevens is that, uh, yeah, like he was a power forward. Like he was really good in front of the net. Dude, he was way more skilled than anyone ever gave him credit for. The dude could snipe the puck. Oh, like, he had a bomb. He could shoot. Yeah. Like Kevin Stevens wasn't just like a run you over. He could do all that. Dude, he, even, yeah. even all these years later, he is still in my top five favorite hockey players. Uh, brother, let me tell you right now, I have a, I have a room of hockey memorabilia. It's not just Pittsburgh memorabilia, right? It's it's everything that I could get. I've got Miracle and I, you know, U.S. Olympic stuff in there. There, believe it or not, is a one of my. I don't have a lot of stuff framed, but I have a Kevin Stevens framed because that to under like and for people who because I was born now I'm like an '80s baby, right? So like that Penguins team was super important to me and formulating like my understanding of what hockey was. But to have an American that was that good, and the Penguins had two because Joe Mullen too. Um, but it was just, yeah. I mean, he he was such an important player to me as a kid, you know. So I was, I was like to see him still impacting the team now and like being around the team. Like you're still starstruck when you see him because it's Artie. Well, it's like you know, well, you he know was larger what? than life as a child. Speaking about his contributions to the team, still John Marino. Uh, yep, I'll say everybody here like John Marino. Everybody a big fan yeah. of that. There's one. Thanks, Artie. Yeah. And he's doing a lot of cool stuff, man. Like I uh I think I think it was Steven Nesbitt that wrote the article about it. Yes. But he's going around and doing a lot of speaking, engagements, uh, and doing a lot of stuff with I mean, just not even just kids, like adults, and is working like really, really hard. And this is something that like, you know, uh is super important to me, is like smashing the stigma. You know, around like mental health and addiction and, and everything that comes with that, he's worked tirelessly at it, uh, and it's just, in my opinion, I think like one of the best in the business. Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm with you on that all the way about smashing up the smashing the stigma for mental health and mental illness and addiction and all that. But uh, from the other side of it, the biggest thing that I love about his story is the fact that it's what you want to see. It's somebody that bottomed acknowledged that they bottomed and turned it around and luckily you know unfortunately not luckily you know for a lot of people because they're not former nhl superstars they don't have this kind of ability to turn it around the way stevens has but at the same time what he is doing with speaking and 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 being an advocate and helping everybody is that he's using that platform for good yeah, and I think that, you know, he still tackles it in a in a power forward way, you know, like in a true like Kevin Stevens fashion of like just taking it head on, you know, straight in the face and being like very real about it. And I think like from what I've not seen a whole start to finish uh, talk that he's done, but from the snippets I've seen, like I think there's a acknowledgement of like the very brutal realities that come with it and, you know. They're, 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 it's just the message. It's not going to be easy, but it's doable, right? And if you have the support and you work at it, you know you can you can get there. And it's just it's a very workmanlike. I think uh, he took a very workmanlike approach, which isn't surprising because that's it's Kevin Stevens we're talking about. And oh yeah, uh, I don't. You know, to me it was funny because like he was such a skilled hockey player, Pat, but the, he also just instilled the sheer terror into you. You know, and like for people that weren't around at that time or maybe don't know who we're talking about. Imagine a player as important as Patrick Hornquist was to the Penguins 
with like a 30 goal scoring touch. <laughs> you know, that's probably what you get when you think about Kevin Stevens is he was Hornquist with better hands. Oh yeah, he he had the tenacity and toughness of Patrick Hornquist with the skill of Actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to pull back on that. He was Evgeny Malkin with a little bit less skill. Oh, sure. I could, I mean, probably ang- well yeah, more more I see where you're going with this and I don't disagree with you. I just want to say that. I would say that the difference was is that like I think Kevin Stevens initiated and this is by no means a, like Evgeny Malkin's a soft Russian combination because Evgeny Malkin is a tree of a human being that will, we've seen him bounce people bounce off of him. Like Ovechkin in particular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I remember that. Yeah, I don't Malkin doesn't look for that though. You know, like he's not at Kevin Stevens wanted to get the puck in a place where he could hit you to go get it. You know, like he wanted to, to stiff arm you off of him. You know, like I, I think the me, I do agree. It's a good, it's let's leave it at that. I, I <laughs> see where you're going. Um, this one, this one's interesting. B smite seven actions and consequences on Twitter. Best condiment for fries. <laughs> I mean, I am a ketchup guy, but like, let's be real here. Real talk. The fry frosty combo is real. Incredible. It's incredible. I'm glad you're with me on this, dude. I did not want to have to fight you about this. It, you know what, too? It depends on the kind of fry. It does. Because there are some fries that are, I, I'm 100% go all in on ketchup. Some fries, I like hot sauce. Yeah, uh, hot if you have like a good thick a good thick french fry oh yeah yeah it's really good with ranch okay yeah i'll give you that uh a lot of people will do like a mayo ketchup combo Uh, i can't get down with mayo and ketchup on fries can't do it but like overseas and i'm not just stealing this from pulp fiction it is true (laughs) mayonnaise is a like a, a regularly like dippable condiment over there like they use it like we do for like we use ketchup they use mayonnaise the same way i'm always here for a a good pulp fiction reference i don't just i don't care for mayonnaise yeah i don't it it has to be a very bit player on whatever i'm putting it on i also don't i i'm gonna be honest with you i do not fuck with any kind of honey mustard oh dude really yeah yeah i don't like mustard Oh, well, okay. That, I mean, that makes sense. And if you're not mustard, but yeah, mustard's too aggressive for me because I feel like once you've added it to something, it just overtakes whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like honey mustard in itself, Pat, is an attempt to just chill mustard out. <laughs> <laughs> it's Xanax it for mustard. <laughs> no, like it really is. Like that's what it, it you know, I don't know. But I, it, what I, do I you do, think I, about I this? Do, Let me I ask do you love, question. I do love chicken strips with honey mustard. Oof. <laughs> You know what I'm going to say about what? Bucky chicken strips. Let's <laughs> uh, <laughs> vine reference there. Um, let me ask you a question. How, cause you're a wing guy. What, how do you feel about honey on wings? Like honey old Bay, for instance. Um, if I'm going to do honey on wings, it's gotta be a, it's gotta I'm be not a talking honey mustard pat. I mean a real ass honey. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. Uh, it's got to be a it's got to be a sweet ass, and, honey. <laughs> it's got to be a sweet and Real spicy combo you know what i honey. mean yeah, yeah, like yeah it, i'm with it, you I'm it's got to be like the old you know bay helps with that the old bay gets yeah, you there but it's got to be like you know sweet honey bar or like sweet honey barbecue where it's like a hot barbecue or like 
something like that. It can't just be like I, here's, a, here's just, an interesting conundrum for me. But you just raised a good point. Golden barbecue is the only barbecue I like. Now explain that. I fucking hate mustard, but I love golden barbecue. Because there's more barbecue in it than yeah, there is anything else. Is. I think it's what kills the mustard. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, shout out to Big Shot Bob's. I mean, look, they the, whether they ever have an official sponsorship with us or not, they're, they're let's be real, they're they're the unofficial sponsor. I I got a good I got a good Big Shot Bob story. Well, I was just gonna make a quick mention that their golden barbecue is the best golden barbecue I've ever had. So. Even though time is relative, we're recording this October 11th. Last month, last month was my 30th birthday, right? And you know, pandemic. Congrats, by the way, pandemic. Everything. Your bones hurt now. Oh yeah, I'm falling yeah, apart. Bad, bad. Yep. Pandemic. Everything. Like you know, we're not cel- We're not really celebrating birthdays. Like you don't want to go out. You can't really go out and do anything. And I've never been a huge birthday guy. Like never really have it, other than 21. I've always just been kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's another number who cares, but you know, God bless my mom. Like she was just like, come on, we gotta do something. We gotta do something. What do you want? What do you want? We gotta do something. We gotta do something. I was like, you know what? Steelers are playing. It's week one. Let's just order wings from big shop. Bob's like, we'll go on Grubhub and we'll place an order early in the yeah. day. Have it get, have it get delivered like right before kickoff. That way we can have wings and beer and watch Steelers. <coughs> Good enough for me. So we make the order. We, place it and have it like set for delivery for like right when like an hour or so before kickoff we get to kickoff and they're not here yet and grubhub calls us and they're like hey did somebody deliver your order yet and we're like no and so we call the restaurant and they're like yeah grubhub never assigned we have the order grubhub just never assigned it to anybody like so we have it like we can make it and if you want it i'd say we can have you come pick it up and we'll just waive the delivery fee and we were like, ah, no, nah, we're good. Like, we wanted to we wanted to do it for the game and whatever. So then they were like, you know what? We'll keep the order in the system for a couple weeks. And whenever you guys want it, it's on the house. All you got to do is come pick it up. They're so a week They're later, we were like, you know what? Screw it. We, like, you know, I, I had worked like five or six days in a row. My mom had worked a couple overnight shifts. And we were like, you know what? Let's get our wings tonight. So we ordered them, went and picked them up, had them for another Steeler Sunday game and as always, goddamn, they're so good. Best group of guys, man. Just best, best company, best business. Uh, years ago, nobody knows this story, and I found the video the other day. They did a they did a promo in Coriopolis. <laughs> this is before the Steelers. This is how long ago this was. This is how long I've been eating at Big Shot Bob's. This is just before the Steelers played the Packers in the Super Bowl. Oh, that, that Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Joe uh, Joakim Noah. Uh, did a really ridiculous dance for Florida when he won the national title. And if you came into Big Shot Bob's and did that dance, they'd give you 15% off your order. And I did it. <laughs> yes. I, I love ordered it. a shitload of wings that night, and I needed that 15% off as a college kid with no money. And uh, God damn it, I, I, I pulled it off. It's almost to a T. It's almost to a T. So uh, that was what made me uh, fall in love with the Big Shot Bob's. Was I got fifteen percent off for doing the Joakim Noah dance, and plus they just have hilarious shirts. Like they had a shirt one year where it just said "Come through and have wings on rugs." That's Persian, which is just hilarious. To me. <laughs> and it's like a biggie—you it's, know—it's a biggie lyric they just rewrote uh, for, <laughs> to put the word "wings" in there. And I just, oh, I love it. We've talked about that food way too much now. Um, anyway, here's what we're doing, just to give you guys a heads up. 
we're going to do another show because we're not done yet. There's still more that we have to talk about. There's stuff going on around Justin Schultz is in Washington. Henry Lundquist is in Washington. There's a bunch of stuff we haven't even talked about yet. We're going to do another show soon. So stay tuned. Send us your correspondences. Send us your recipes, your food takes, because uh, we will be back. Maybe Mike will be with us. We hope. Probably. We're going to try to organize it so all three of us are here. Maybe uh, uh, get, get uh, within the next week, get together and, and give you more content. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this one uh, from me and uh, Pat. Uh, say goodbye to the folks. Goodbye, folks. Go Stillers. Go Stillers. All right, we'll see you later. Later.